Hi, I'm Pinny. I'm Astrid. And welcome to It's a Continent, the podcast that decolonizes history one story at a time. So we're here to challenge the common misconception that Africa is a country and essentially appreciate the identity of each nation. Um, and through each episode, we'll be exploring key historical moments which have shaped the continent. Hello, we're back. Yes. And honestly. <laughs> it just... We're back, but I feel like I feel like I'm talking to you every day. <laughs> yeah, we are honestly, if I don't wake up, I think the other day, right? You didn't message me before 9am and I thought something was wrong. <laughs> I legit was going to just message you to, to check in. That is how often we speak to each other now. I just, <laughs> I love it. but We need boundaries. We need to instill boundaries. <laughs> this is what happens in the writing process, guys. You just, boundaries fall apart. Yeah. You're texting yeah. every now and then. 1am, 6am. The only person who texts me is you. So I'm always like, when I hear that ping, I'm like, yeah, it's Ginny. <laughs> How long can I leave it? But you don't just like double text. She'll like triple text and then do another triple oh, text no. on top. I see the red receipts. I'm like, she knows what I've said. So I'm going to, I'm going to reinstate myself. <laughs> oh my gosh, you can, you can, I didn't Look, red receipts are useful. Red receipts are actually very helpful and effective form of communication. You're like, okay, they've seen it. Let me they've carry seen on. They've seen it. Let me carry on. <laughs> they've yet to respond and form a But I have a solution. <laughs> but you have. But honestly, we are so excited. It's actually ridiculous for this book to come out, guys. Like, we cannot wait for you to read it, enjoy it. Listen to it as well. Listen to it. Yes. I was gonna say ebook it, but that's not a thing. Um no. get it on your nice little Kindle. That was my little self-gift to myself. So yeah, no, we're really, really excited and we've got some really interesting stuff coming up, which we'll share at the end of this episode. It's happening. And I feel like it's real. Every episode since we've been like, yeah, it's coming. Feel free to go on itsacontinent.com. Also, please do. Yes. But before we go into that and all the exciting plans we have to share with you guys. We've got an episode to do. So, Chinny, yes. kick us off. Let's do this. Let's go. So we're going to kick off with our African Pride this week. And this week's African Pride is Benny Fadi, a Senegalese electro star who is singing to save his language. So this language in question is called Menik, which is spoken by only a few thousand people. And Fadi is hoping to change the fortunes of Menic language and by extension the culture of his people to a new audience through his singing. So Menic is a language spoken by a minority of Southeast Senegalese people known as the Bedic people. And this is just under 4,000 people. In fact, UNESCO classifies this language as one of 2,500 endangered languages across the world. So the fact that there is actually a classification for endangered languages is quite wild to me, but that is colonisation for you. But yeah, when Fadi went to university, he was shocked that so few of his classmates knew about his community. And in his words, no one spoke my language, no one knew anything about the Bedic people, most didn't know we existed. Can you imagine going to uni and someone says, I'm from Leeds, and you're like, where's that? Where's that? Yeah. What's that? Mm. Mm, Edinburgh? Never heard of it. Mm. 
But to be fair, you do get those kinds of people for those of you guys watching Love Island. Um, <laughs> oh, look, yeah, I've muted that word from my time. Oh. <laughs> I'm one of those people. I reformed. I don't know what happened. I was addicted and then I just, I've fallen off like big time. No, I'm still, 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 still an addict. It's okay if you're still invested. That is fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just wild to me that he could go to a university and people didn't know about, people in his own country didn't know. Didn't know about the language. About, yeah, yeah their own people within the country, which kind of just shows, again, the effects of colonization because, mm. as we said, people just from random communities had arbitrary borders drawn up around them. So in a sense, it's like, well, why would they know? Yeah, which... no, that is true. You can't blame them, but at the same time, I think it just highlights the value of doing things like this and just the action yeah. of one person being able to say, actually, we need to maintain this and keep this. This is reminding me just in terms of like the importance of language. Mm. So um, last week, I was at the um, African Youth Centre in London and there was a poet there. And one of her poems was around language and how, you know, our parents who came to Europe and stuff, how, you know, they can speak, especially when I think of my mum, she can speak so many different languages, but they always mm. seem to have a struggle with English. Mm. And I just thought it was quite, for me, it was, it was quite poignant, actually, because you do think, like, I think my mum can speak three, four different languages from the Congo and stuff. She struggles with English in terms of just it doesn't feel as natural in terms of also from just expressing herself it's not the same and Mm. it just highlights that you know the importance of being able to maintain these languages because for some people expressing yourself in a language you fully feel it and you can be a lot angrier than you like do you know what I mean it just yeah yeah the the literal meaning of words Yeah. yeah it means so much more and has so much more meaning when you understand it a bit more i don't know it kind of sinks into you into your being and Mm. stuff so and it's amazing that he's doing this and really maintaining it because we can't be losing stuff i'm sorry endangered endangered language that should not be yeah endangered languages it's wild and i think it's kind of something that's progressive really because as different communities emigrate to the uk pick up english and then the mother tongue is lost in a sense, lost, especially yeah. because then you kind of have to become slightly homogenized to fit in with your community. There've been conversations around the whole black British construct and whether that's actually erased in a way at people's identities. Mm. So that's another, it's quite sad when you think about it, but um, yeah, it's an interesting point, but it just goes to show the real importance that we have around language and by default, the culture. Mm. So Benny Fadi is doing shows in Paris and Berlin and at the end of June will be releasing an EP which will mark the start of a big moment in his linguistic revival. More power to you. Yeah, congrats. Where are we this week? Where are we going? So this week we are heading over to East Africa and we are in Ethiopia. So Ethiopia has quite a unique position within the continent. Whilst Italy briefly occupied the nation in 1935, it has remained the only country not colonised by Europe or America, as Liberia was an American colony. And whilst we've covered King Menelik and the Battle of Adwa, which saw Ethiopia fight off the ever-persistent Italy in 1896, imagine you've been trying since 1896, anyway, we still haven't delved into Ethiopia's rich history until now. The Aksum Kingdom was a wealthy African civilization and a major empire for the ancient world, thriving for centuries from 100 to 940 AD. Aksum was a gateway between the Roman Empire to the Middle East and India. 
The empire is also known for its links to early Christianity and is thought to be the home of the sacred Ark of the Covenant. This relic is guarded by a monk and according to biblical tradition contains the Ten Commandments. It's thought that the Queen of Sheba travelled from Aksum to Judah in the Middle East to visit King Solomon. And this is captured in the historical account translated as Glory of the Kings, which was put together by monks in the 13th and 14th century. Local tradition states that the legendary Queen of Sheba's son founded the Aksum Kingdom. It's quite nice when we're able to record history from the 13th and 14th century. Yeah, and also a bit of biblical elements yeah, to get, it. Yeah, well, we get a biblical up in get, here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not a scholar, but... Um... No, yeah. <laughs> we're not going that deep. We're not, yeah, yeah, yeah. We just, we just mentioned it. We mentioned Christianity, okay? <laughs> yeah, once, yeah. Yeah, Ten Commandments. I'm like, things, <laughs> things I'm able to pick up. Local geography played to the kingdom's advantage as the city sat 2,000 metres above sea level on a plateau. The climate was also favourable with enough rain and soil to produce agriculture and keep livestock. So its position on the East African coast also acted as a way to trade with the interior of the continent. Aksumites were key traders exporting gold, ivory, tortoiseshells, rhino horns, frankincense, myrrh, emeralds, salt and enslaved people. These primarily went to Egypt, South Arabia and the Middle East, India and China. The access to the Red Sea and Upper Nile allowed for a strong Aksum navy, which saw profits increase. The Kingdom of Aksum was the first African country to mint its own coins in gold, silver and bronze. The first? Look at these. I'm sorry. It's these kind yeah. of facts that just yeah. gets me excited because I just think. Yeah, not, not ancient the, Egypt. You, like the first African country to mint its own coins. Gosh, we would make a cracking pub quiz. Honestly, Look. if we put one together. <laughs> oh my god, we actually should. It's we a, actually it's a, oh, ooh, it's a continent. Okay, guys, course. look at this is how right. we generate ideas. Let someone, <laughs> we get, someone pull this together. Yeah. We get excited <laughs> by one fact and all of a sudden we're like, yeah. we're pulling together an event, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Evidence of these coins have been seen as far as India. Wild. Oh wow. Okay, I definitely need to Google and research what these coins look like. But oh, that's yeah. amazing. Oh, yeah. Like, I can't really see these coins being affected by inflation. So, yes. <laughs> Slowly becoming. Let's not comment on the state yeah. of the UK economy. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> to be honest, my. Sorry, this is a point I just want to make about. Last point I made about the UK economy. But my lactose free cheese has gone up from £2 to £2.50. This is what I'm saying 50p. Yeah. And I'm getting, yeah. it's lactose. Sorry, that's been, it went up to 220. I was like, okay, fine, 20p more. But 50p. No, this is it. Why am I paying three pounds for coconut yogurt? That is so small. I'm sorry. Yeah. And it's like, we actually need it. We're not just doing it for trends. Just start notice like bit by bit. And I'm like, I was not paying this much before. But anyways, Kingdom of Axum. Definitely not. Mint coins and potentially a pub quiz. So, Take me back. Take me back to Take Aksum. me back. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> During the Aksum Kingdom's peak power, it conquered southern Arabia. From the 3rd to the 6th century, the kingdom was a prosperous society, ranging from high nobles and lower members of the elite to commoners. Administrative control extended to modern-day Tigray, northern Eritrea, desert, coastal plains and the Red Sea coast, including Djibouti and Somalia. 
In terms of warfare, King Azana I conquered Morot, which is um, modern-day Sudan, during the 4th century. The 6th century saw King Caleb subjugate people from Yemen for decades. This was in part achieved because the Aksum Kingdom were allies with the Byzantine Empire because of their shared faith. And apparently the Jewish population in Yemen were persecuting the Christian Aksumite population in their country. So yeah, they did what they thought they needed to do. Eye for an eye. But it was like, this empire really like stretched out. This is it, because I think once you realise as well the size of the African continent, then these descriptions, when you see it on a map, it might look a bit smaller, if you see what I mean, just because of the dimensions. But mm. this is covering grounds. Like, I'm pretty sure that Sudan, when it was a united country without South Sudan, was one of the biggest countries in Africa by landmass. So this is encompassing a lot. And to even have crossed over into Yemen as well, the influence was really strong, which kind of begs the question as well, why, do, why is it only ancient Egypt that we hear of? But, you know. Yeah, there was a lot of, um, I guess it's also just from what's been kept right, because I don't know, in terms of, I de- like the archives for when you were doing this, was it quite easy to find? Because I find that sometimes with certain countries or topics I want to cover, I do find that it gets harder if it hasn't been the way it's been preserved or anything like that. Mm. And then you just end up with, you know, your pieces of information here and there that you then have to kind of bring together a bit more to provide a full story. But um, no, it is true. It's so important for us to just have these kingdoms highlighted because you then think, it's making me think, okay, this was back then, but what were the influences and remnants of Mm. that kingdom that, were maintained or potentially ad- adapted, for example, within Djibouti. Do you see what I mean? So mm-hmm. what are the impact? But actually, because we are, were unable to fully trace it back, it's, um, it's, it's a shame. Yeah, but- no, it's, it's interesting because as Ethiopia was the only country not to get colonised, it's interesting because they do have museums within Ethiopia that have a lot of this preserved. But as you say... I guess it's the way it's preserved and because it's, it's in Ethiopia. So I suppose the, when people say history is written by the victors, because they've, you know, the British, for example, have been able to loot so much from other countries, they brought that to the British Museum. So that was, what, that was all we knew about. But then those communities have been affected because their, you know, their prized possessions and history have been basically stolen from them. Mm. But we only really are hearing around histories of those who's, who have had their artifacts stolen as opposed to those who actually know that didn't happen to them, you know? So yeah. it's an interesting one. Christianity itself arrived in Aksum from the Middle East to East Africa, and Aksum became the first black African state to convert and embrace the new religion. It grew in the state in part because King Azana embraced the faith. This gave rise to the present-day Ethiopian Orthodox Church and Eritrean Orthodox Church with rich traditions still seen today, including beautiful underground churches and black Jesus. Ethiopian written language, Gies, was also founded during this time. This is so important as ancient African scripts are rare to come across. When colonisation took over, Latin scripts were introduced. This script is still used within Ethiopia's Orthodox Church. By the end of the 8th century, the Bejra people, a nomadic Kushite group, began threatening dominance over the area. Ashkemites lost control of southern Arabia and Persians came through to Yemen, conquering the area in 578 AD. 
This began the rise of an Arab Muslim population who dominated the region and controlled the Red Sea. Some historians also agree that soil degradation from overuse and a decline in rainfall also contributed to the end of the kingdom. So, hey, climate change was already happening then. I mean, not to the rate of today, but yeah. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Uh, <laughs> but it, I guess in part um, because of the... Because um, in a sense, these kingdoms had some capitalist systems to them. So mm. in order to thrive within the environment. So obviously not like the hypercapitalist society that we have today. But yeah, there could have been overuse within the region which degraded the soil. The political power moved to the Agao people and the Zagwe dynasty ruled Ethiopia from around 1137 to 1270. Aksum in Ethiopia today is found on Ethiopia's northern border. The ruins include royal tombs, ancient castles and monolithic obelisks. Even after Aksum's political decline in the 10th century, Ethiopian emperors continued to be crowned there highlighting the heritage piece. The city remains a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Excavations continue in Eritrea as it gained its independence in the 1990s and is still playing catch up with its historical items. I will say as well, the documentary I watched with Zainab Badawi really made me want to visit Ethiopia. Um, just oh, really? because they had so many artifacts and so many museums that I was like, wow, <laughs> the Europeans didn't steal this? <laughs> give, us, give us the names of the documentary. Yep. So, yes, the documentary is by Zainab Badawi and it's called The Rise of Axum. It's by BBC News Africa and it's also available on YouTube. So we'll put it in the episode show notes. And yeah, she... She's got some really great documentaries in there, yeah. She's got good documentaries on all these ancient civilizations within Africa that is really important to telling the story of the continent. Mm -hmm. Nice. It's just so nice to hear about these kingdoms. Yeah. Yeah. So we will be back in two weeks' time with a special bonus episode to mark the book finally, finally available to be sent and ordered and listened to. On the 7th of July, uh, we will be releasing a very special bonus episode discussing the process basically and we never actually talk about we just yeah we just turn up (laughs) mention it in passing but we just turn up and be like yeah so um no we really want to just give you guys insight into the book itself then maybe you might get a little bit of a feel for it never know um yeah so you can just experience it understand what we've been doing for the just over a year now and um mm-hmm. yeah so please do send us questions you know where our email is go on the website it's a continent.com oh we love the submissions i've got to say i really do love yeah, yeah please submit questions reach out to us on social media and if you want to find out about podcasting about us all of that stuff so um yeah we are honestly really excited to have this conversation and um just finally talk about it yes let's go yes and stuff. so yeah we, we're really looking forward to it it's a continent.com and all she does the socials way better than i do because i always get them wrong yeah of course so we're on instagram at it's a continent pod and we are on twitter at it's a continent we're also on buy me a coffee as well so if you like what you hear you know just even though i'm not the coffee dr- i don't drink anything hot but okay yeah I, I am drinking coffee as we record this 
which is probably a bad idea but it's fine yeah i was gonna say (laughs) yeah it's late yeah thank you so much for listening guys and yeah super excited for the bonus episode next month so see you then see you then bye